0: a bee has just landed in a glass of water <laughs> we're out in a lovely lovely uh vineyard yeah um, what's the name of the vineyard It's called don't? to
1: gallant, this place to
0: gallant yeah on the peninsula in victoria and it's really nice but the bees love it as well so yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so we've got guy west and story pierce cunningham's my name and and we're here to talk about ai Ian's kindly giving us a bit of a background on machine learning and we're going to come back to that but the last time the three of us spoke. It was about two years ago and we were talking about where the world was headed uh, economically and and Guy and and Ian both had some interesting things to say about quantitative easing which was happening at that time, so-called printing money, even though they don't actually print money to do it, they just sort of add a couple of zeros on on a computer screen (laughs) uh, even easier. And then how that that was inevitably going to lead to inflation. So here we are and uh, those predictions have largely come true we're in this uh, hopefully subsiding period of inflation, but that's thanks to some pretty painful measures by central banks mm. to raise interest rates and put everyone's mortgages up and, and make everything more expensive. The price expensive. of everything goes. Yeah, and, the and as Guy mentioned earlier off-air, the history of inflation is when prices go up, it's not like they you don't see them retreating. You've, you've yeah. just set a new mm. benchmark for everything, and that stays even though the actual
0: well, my, going my, rate of inflation... My lovely mother-in-law um, has a house... Not as small as mine, but not huge. She was a teacher, mm. and her last gas bill, seven hundred dollars mm. for a
2: quarter. For
0: a quarter, yeah. yeah. How same, can people
2: same, same with uh, ours eight
1: hundred and fifty compared to about wow. four hundred and sixty last time?
0: How can people afford it? Yeah. Even
1: the four hundred. So the previous quarter was was that different, or the time last year? Oh, last the time t- last year, time yeah. last year. Time yeah. Last year. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. yeah, they show you on that's a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would yeah. say one
2: thing about deflation you do sometimes get deflation but it's a very rare beast and when you do see deflation on those rare occasions it's usually a harbinger of something pretty bad Hmm. Um, yeah you know it's like I remember there was a a property crash in Australia oh quite some decades ago now where there were a few top end properties that had been bought for 20 million that had to be sold for about 5 million so you know that uh, can you remember what year that was that the, the big big. well the big one the end crash. of the
1: 80s was was a huge property crash in australia yeah and then we've had more recent ones i guess yeah uh, So it's probably around around the gfc so yeah about no, this is going back a lot further but yeah. um
2: but yeah so you do you do occasionally get these deflationary um, yeah. crashes but um they're fairly fairly rare normally as Ian said you You just get inflation and then things stay at the same level. They don't go back.
1: Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately.
0: Machine learning is the latest cool thing for the kids. They're studying machine learning and making money from it. There's a lot of need for it. So it's used in business for management decision making, but it's also used for things like what they call churn. So what is churn? So churn is the rate at which people will buy something and then buy again. So if you're Amazon, you want to target high churn. So you want to relate people with the the things they're likely to buy. If you're YouTube, you want to relate people to the things they're likely to to want to click on. Um, so you keep them you keep them invested. And you make money from the ads, keep making money from the ads. Predicting churn is really obvious what the, what the advantages is. It is also used for predicting fraud. Um, it can be used for standard statistical techniques, what's called regression, linear and nonlinear regression. It can be used for predicting disease. So it, most, in most cases, it ends up with a prediction. Right. The prediction based on statistics. Now, in my day, um, in the good old days, you wanted a good objective statistical result for your your hypothesis test. That was the way you did statistics. This, though, is using statistics for practical purposes. So turning it into some kind of prediction. And there are two basic types of techniques. One is called unsupervised and one is called supervised. Not technically exactly what it sounds like. It's got to do with headings in the the databases and stuff. And students learn how to get data that's totally messy, has no rhyme or reason to it. They'll chuck out bits that don't make any sense. They'll chuck out outliers. They'll fill in bits, they'll make guesses for other little bits that might be useful. And the data could be anything, could be what you're typing on the keyboard, it could be any text, it could be the internet, as ChatGPT has been using. So they grab this huge amount of data and they try to find ways to suck useful predictions out of it. You can imagine that in machine learning, unsupervised prediction is the more magic of the two, right? because you just let it go and it predicts all by itself. Oh, I should add another step in there. Going back a little bit to the objectivity, subjectivity of it Mm. is that it tries to keep itself as objective as possible by dividing up its original cache of data into a training set. So it'll divide its data into training and testing Yep. and kind of tries to keep itself objective that way but it doesn't ever claim to be objective, just useful. To lead into AI really quickly, AI is one of those unsupervised ones, and I think we were talking last time how it's based
1: on neurons in the body. It's, it mimics the, the way neurons talk to each other that's in, right. the, in the human mind. So it's it's um, that's why they call it an artificial neural network is because it's 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 mimicking. It's an artificial version of what happens in the human brain. Yeah,
0: and and they were doing they were doing this stuff hooking up people's arms to to artificial neural networks and things and and getting people to learn how to use artificial arms you know and i remember there was lots of excitement about how it could do these kind of wonderful things that mimic the human human body but then they started using it for running a neural network and saying is this a cat or a dog and you know cat or a dog and they do that thousands and thousands and thousands of times and eventually it would get it right most almost all the time and then they started doing it with, uh, is this something we should drive our car into? Or is it something we should avoid? You know, all of this kind of stuff. And now it's getting to the point where it can take data from the internet and sound like it's, sound like a, it's a sensible conversation you're having. It's not actually thinking, it's connecting the text. So I, I, I don't think this is going to be the first version of computers that can think. But it's called artificial intelligence, right? I think it's kind of an early version of computers that can think. So calling it AI is probably... They, they used to call those old neural networks AI anyway.
1: Mm. It's an old term, isn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. But now it's getting to the point where it's impress- impressing humans because it can talk to us. Mm. in the language that we and, use. And that's
1: something that I wanted to get into a little bit because the one that everyone knows about is ChatGPT and there's a free version of that. You can just sign up with um, with OpenAI. Okay. Um, there are other ones as well that do it. I think um, uh, Google's got one called Bard, I think. That's right. I love you, that name. Let's yeah, you do Shakespeare's things. cradle, yeah. Um, and there's there's various of them now, but the, the, the really standout feature of them is that they have such kind of relative mastery of language. Everyone's done this. You ask it a question, or you might need to, you know, write a description for a podcast, mm. and you just test it, just see what you come up with, and and the answers are pretty bloody good, even from yeah. the free version of ChatGPT 3.5. So we don't need journalists like you anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and and I actually got a mate who who writes copy for uh, real estate agents, <laughs> and 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 he yeah. said that he's because things are tightening up in the, in the real estate industry. He so said there's you know various of his clients who are saying, look, sorry, we we don't need you anymore because we're yeah, gonna right. get ChatGPT to do it that, for that's
2: us. That's a very low bar. I might say. Well, yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. there's a whole lot of um, nuances and, and subtleties which um, which AI obviously can't pick up. Yeah. But if you're just trying to get something knocked out, even up, in real
0: estate, they would. Yeah. yeah, even
1: even in real estate. Even um, yeah. And, and and you know, if you're a writer and you and you've got that sort of the dreaded blank page in front of you, to be able to ask a vague question and get something in back five in, pages of output and gets and get something mm. which gives you something and then or if you've got an assignment and you and i talked about plagiarism and using ai to generate a, a response for a, an assignment of a university student and how do you as the lecturer get around that and you identify an that, that's problem. that's, a, that's yeah. a, an issue so one of the things that's so impressive about ChatGPT and that aspect of ai it's only one part of what ai can do is that incredible language skill, and and I was actually watching a um, thing on YouTube about AI, and the speaker was saying that mastering language is a bit like mastering the operating system of humanity, of humankind. Oh, because nice. yeah. because yeah. because then you've 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 tapped into this thing which is used for everything. You're you're then yeah. getting into culture. Yeah, you're getting into history. getting into you're getting into commerce uh, you're getting into science Mm. so there's there's a whole lot of disciplines which rely on language for the development of them and the operation of them and and so this is one of the areas where ai is is advancing and is noticeably advancing because it's perfect syntax it's an Mm. organized paragraph with a a summary in the in the uh, opening paragraph some evidence in the middle and then a conclusion at the end it's it's a well-formed whether it's complete or whether it's wrong or whatever, but it it is still worded pretty impressively.
2: Yeah, language is definitely a very important area that big strides have been made in with AI, but another one is the creative sphere, where I'm seeing almost what I would call panic in some areas. For instance, my wife is a graphic designer there are a lot of people that she knows who are illustrators that's that's their profession they, they illustrate magazines or you know they do little funnies for newspapers or whatever but but drawing is what they make their living from and they are probably justifiably paranoid that their careers are going to be snuffed out and these are often very young people who are just starting, starting out and they can see that the whole career path ahead of them may cease to exist mm. because of, of the ability of AI now to to draw, to create poetry, to create you know, music music and so on. And, and mm. whilst at the moment it's, it's easy to sort of poke fun at it and say, well, that's not a very good poem or that's not a very good piece of music. It was exactly the same in the early days of chess programs where they, mm. you know, we all made fun of them because they did some silly things but then just gradually, 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 they get better and better and better and better, and they don't stop. They just keep getting better.
0: um, When I first started using a computer back in in the 70s and 80s, my dear old Commodore 64, how I loved it. I'm still into retro computing. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was saying to me, really clever people, what do you need a computer for? The computer's totally useless. And those people are now the ones who... Do writing all day in front of their computer screen, mm. and they love their their computers. And mm. It's a really useful tool. Mm. Google when when all of those search engines first came out. Oh, you can't rely on it. It's buggy and all this kind of stuff. And now googling is a word, and it's really powerful and it's fantastic. We know not to totally trust it, but it's really fantastic.
2: Yeah, when, when you when you talk about trust, um, that. The... <laughs> Obviously, ChatGPT is a good example of this. At the moment, AI is, is still very buggy in its interface with humanity. So, you you ask um, ChatGPT questions, and basically, it's a liar. It fabricates. It it makes stuff up. And well, I
0: was talking to a really clever PhD student yesterday, and he said, "Oh, it's, it gives you good references." But the page numbers are totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. You know?
2: Well, I, I don't know if you've done a, a sort of a, um, you know, an ego search using ChatGPT. Like, asked it about yourself. Oh, I have you'll, to do you'll, that you'll, now. You'll find that you'll find that half the stuff that it comes up with is just complete nonsense. Right. It, it, it'll it'll and, and it says it in such an authoritative way that mm. that you know you think well, this this all sounds you know really authoritative and like it knows what it's talking about. But it's just wrong. <laughs> I mean, I tested it on myself and, and literally half the facts that it came out with were, were facts in inverted commas. They were yeah. just incorrect.
1: Well, well so, so what, what it's doing is it's using the internet and this raises, there's a few legal issues which, which come from it. So, so that the source of the information is, is a concern if you're a publisher, whether it's a digital publisher or a magazine publisher or a book publisher or anything, uh, because all that stuff's found its way onto the internet. Um, and, and the AI is going out and basically sourcing the internet. So we've t- had 25 years of building up the internet into something that has pretty much everything that everyone knows about everything. And then the AI comes along and is able to go out and yeah. sift through all that as a search engine does. And this was actually something that Ian and I t- talked about, that distinction between what AI is doing to get its output, to get its information to you and what a search engine is doing. And Clearly, the search engines are concerned because they're all scrambling to embrace AI. I mean, there mm. may be a little bit of AI already used I think by, are, by yeah. Google's search engine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Bing's advertising... They've got it built in. AI yeah. in. You yeah. can pay a subscription. I think it's 20 bucks a month. It's
0: just that it's got a different objective. It's yeah. not to write <laughs> script, but yeah. to find to find a web page or a source yeah. so, but, so it's,
1: but, and then there's also the, the possibility with, with social media that social media up until now has relied on human input and then it's been organised by AI um, with a view so, so AI is not brand new it's been around for a while but with social media, it's been used up until now to organise the, the, the data, the human input, your photos, your selfies, this, that, the other, videos, and target them to you in, in, with a view to going viral. So target them to everyone, your followers, yeah. people connected yeah. to your followers, followers and so on. And that's all about basically the advertising model behind it. You know, if you put a banner ad in there, then it's hitting all these people and it's targeted. The difference with AI now is that you could potentially generate the content artificially. So not only does the AI sort it and distribute it effectively, but it can also generate it, and that's an issue. And one of the things that's been... So there's now a move to regulate AI and, and introduce laws. The EU is doing it. Uh, America's doing it. And one of the suggestions, the basic first thing that you could do would be to have a requirement, a legal requirement, that anything produced by AI has to be identified as by AI. So if it's an mm. image that's generated to challenge a graphic designer uh, or some copy challenging the uh, the copywriter, that it is somehow identified. It might be a watermark on an image and it could be a, a, a mandatory mm. uh, something that identifies text yeah. as, as generated by AI. This, this kind of reminds me of
2: um, yeah, Asimov's... Um, you know, early science fiction works about robotics, and he you know, came up with the three laws that would, would govern robotics. Uh, you know, number one, you know, you can't hurt humans, and, and, and so on. And there were uh, so it sounds like we're we're now actually getting to the stage where we are having to formulate our basic laws of AI. Yep. yeah, it's 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 a brave new world. It's a very interesting you know, new sort of epoch that we're we're going into. But just just on that accuracy thing with AI at the moment. You know, spewing out a lot of so-called facts that aren't correct, um, I'm sure that will dramatically improve over time because it's just a matter of tweaking it so that, so that the AI you know, starts to be able to exercise what we would call judgment about which sources are more accurate than others and, um, and, and you know, sort of cross-reference things and, and, and eliminate things that are clearly yep. not factual. But at the moment, it's still very raw and it, it just mixes it all in together, facts, fiction, mm, and whatever. Yeah. So at the moment, it's easy to sort of dismiss it and say, oh, yeah, but it's it's so inaccurate. It's, but, but of course, over time, that'll, that'll change.
0: Let's say the goal was to build a, com- a computer that can think like a human being. There is no way that that's what it's doing. But I love that quote that you had before, language is the human operating system. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. and it's what, it's what we're responding to is yeah. the power of yeah. its ability it's, it's, to talk to us absolutely. in a way that seems like it's conscious
2: yeah
0: it's definitely not it's still just a prediction it's yeah, a it prediction is. of text you know and,
2: and and on the same page as that is, is Quote the unquote prediction yeah the, the, and a similar thing is that we, we relate to artificial intelligence better when it's packaged to look like a human. So, so people are getting very excited yeah, yeah. about these these, um, these ugly robots yeah, that, these, that these look like they're... Ro- yeah. Ugly robots, but, but actually there, there are now some quite attractive ones starting to appear. So I well, think There's a guy, there's a guy on,
1: who lit, has fallen in love with this robot. There's a huge proliferation already in girlfriend bots or that, are, that are powered by AI mm. so that's one of the you know just as porn powered the development of the of the internet and there was I mean it used to be that eighty percent of all clicks on the internet were por- were related to pornography I don't know whether that's changed it might be even more now who knows seems more like 99 yeah yeah or 100 <laughs> percent
0: when it comes to music and musicians mm. we've been stuck in a 12-note system that's really just clutched together it only has only the second harmonics you know the powers of two mm. are pure the third harmonic is so close mm. that it, that's what makes it work the rest of the harmonics are right out unless they're powers of two and three
1: mm. you mentioned this when we talked. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: so it could learn any scale mm. and it if the person training it was good mm. and the the ai was good it could come up with music that would be would blow, you know, blow our minds.
1: Um. The thing about um, AI in relation to uh, girlfriends is that this is something that's really being already embraced with a sort of view to making some money out of it. It has a whole host of problems that go with it. And there's already women's groups who are saying, this is just perpetuating myths. This is not doing anything good for I imagine families, um, relationships, or for uh, domestic violence or anything. It's just it's because the way that it's the way the AI is being programmed is essentially that it, it does what the man wants it to do, it yeah, says it's, it's and does. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's stereotypes that go with that, but that also is an area where you can imagine there's huge potential. Because with this language skill, there's lots of lonely people. There's lots of people who live in apartment blocks, isolated. There's a declining birth rate. More and more people are growing old and lonely, and so AI. Th- potentially got good things to do in that area, but at the moment it doesn't look that great.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's um, an area where which will really propel um, robotics and AI forwards because, mm. you know, obviously the motivation is there. It's a it, it's a massive, massive market. Yep, As you say, there's a lot of lonely people. There's a lot of people who are, you know, involuntarily celibate and mm. Mm. Um, that that market is, is one of the first ones that I think that... Um, developers will will turn their attention to and whether or not it's good or bad in the
1: objective sense I think we, we won't know for a long time. Uh, well, well, one of the things that's been said is that you don't need to worry too much about AI because, because at the moment, you know, robots aren't mobile. So you know, if you're comparing an AI intelligence versus a human intelligence, we have the, you, the massive advantage that we're mobile. We're physically able to move around in our world. AI isn't at the moment. Well, that's, but as you say, When you when you develop, yeah. SpaceX have got a thing called, I think it's Optimus. Which is a humanoid robot, mm. and there is there. I mean, the Japanese are right into their robots; yep. have been for they, years. Yeah, they've
2: got ones that are already mobile. Yep. Uh, it's interesting. It's
0: interesting, isn't it, that uh, the you know these people who predicted that computers couldn't play chess, yet it was one of the first problems that was beaten. Yes. But getting a, a robot to walk nicely through a door, open a door, and walk through it is still challenging absolutely
2: yeah, yeah. Well, one of the reasons but they're getting, why, they're yeah, they're getting yeah. one of the reasons why why chess was knocked off relatively early is because they channeled massive resources into it because they sort of used that as a a kind of a, an, an example of a problem which if they could solve it, you know, it could be applied to all sorts of other
1: yeah. things. So and, and Guy's a chess master for, for listeners by the way. And do you want to just give us a, a few words, Guy, just explaining your back you're also a day trader, is that right? Are you still doing day um, trading?
2: Yeah, well I, I'm a I'm a professional investor. Yeah. Um I suppose I do day trade but I, I'm I'm not really a, a sort of buying and selling on the same day kind of okay person yep. so I'm technically I'm not really a day trader but I do quite a bit of short-term trading so I might buy something and sell it a few weeks okay. later okay and I, I do sometimes invest for the longer term but yeah I, I'm a um, share market investor. Yep. By, by do you still so play you chess out of interest? Yeah I do but I've sort of pretty much retired from the top echelon play I'm, I'm 64 years old and uh, yeah most um, of the world's elite chess players are either teenagers or in their 20s so Okay. Um, it, it gets very hard to compete with that sort of speed and agility of thought as you get older. I mean, you, obviously you get a lot more experience, but in chess there's still a lot of brute force calculation mm. um, that humans perform, and, and you your mind just isn't quite as As uh, it was when you, when you were 30 or yeah so, yeah, so actually my brain's much more suitable for investing than it is for chess playing <laughs> these days because in investing, experience is,
1: is really a, a very, very important commodity Mm. and i wonder whether that's the kind of skill that can be taught to ai or to an ai model you'd be
2: aware that there's already a lot of algorithmic trading that takes place now that's that's very short-term exploitation of kind of micro trends you know on a a sort of an hour to hour basis a lot of the algorithmic trading I'd, i'd go further and say that it's actually almost designed to manipulate share prices in the short term Mm. and to benefit from those short term fluctuations that that the algorithm itself is is creating
0: there are are also dangers aren't there i remember the fat thumb issue where the trading was happening so quickly that it just took off exponentially and they were suddenly found themselves having a bubble created by
2: yeah yeah these, these things have happened there are a lot of small you know explosions in in share prices and stuff which which uh clearly not related to underlying fundamental valuations of the company. Yeah,
0: I seem to remember there was a story where the fiber optic connection from where the price was being set, trading floor, I don't know, and then going through to where it was announced to the rest of the world. In between there, there were traders who were able to grab that data that's, that's and, correct. and do it before it got out to the...
2: Yeah, this, this is this is the, the pet hate of, um, of uh, human investors. Uh, who, who don't have access to um, algorithmic trading that the algorithmic traders have been allowed to set up computers actually at the ASX oh, and those those computers are able to execute trades having already seen the orders that other people have placed so they they, they're basically operating with inside information about yeah, buy and sell
1: orders.
0: Yeah, essentially, yeah. That yeah. would
1: undermine traditional brokers, wouldn't it, as well? That, that the algorithmic trade, that automated system at that the ASX would be getting in before yeah broking yeah, houses it, it could would, react? it would. Although I think some of the big broking houses are probably... You know. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, let, <laughs> But, yeah, that's a
0: follow-up, follow-up, yeah. yeah remember you're being recorded <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I, I, I think they, they have exposure to, to this sort of technology right. themselves yep. uh, either through their very very big clients or um, but going the other way like I
0: was my pet hate is people who say they can chart things and they they talk about it like a gambler talks about getting on a streak a winning streak yeah so long term is, is safer for someone who doesn't have those ins, inside uh, runs or longer, right? Yeah. So, like what you're doing, I'm saying, right? Yeah. But if you're going to train a system to go longer term, you'd have to include the bubbles that occur about every ten years. Yes. And getting that sort of data is really difficult.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a real because um, it gets old, and, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Look, it's a dark art. I think the whole the whole art of playing the share market. Charting is a very controversial subject. Um, You know, it it ranges from people who base their entire investing strategy around charting and they treat charts like godlike creations that that, that will predict the future Mm. to to people who are completely sceptical of them. And, you know, you hear comments like, I've never yet met a a rich chartist. You know, that's a a (laughs) well-known quote. I've got to write that
0: one down.
2: (laughs) Yeah. The thing about charting is so many people do it and are involved in it, that it has, a, it has a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy effect. So if if a chart is looking favorable to a very large number of chartists, they, they will all act on that information. and They're using and, the same and, software. And, to yeah, do and, the... and, and perpetuate yep. the reality that they see. So for instance, if a, if a stock is trending up, and the chartists think this chart looks good, then a lot of chartists will buy that oh, that's stock, and, and, and it will continue to Because that's, some,
0: that's something that doesn't happen in a casino. In a casino, the Correct. numbers are the numbers. That, that's right. They're the numbers. Yeah, and, chance
2: has no memory, but yeah, whereas... Yeah, this does have memory. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting in that respect. But the issue is that it's also very difficult to be a, a fundamental analyst of stocks because there are so many bits of hidden information that the average investor and, and even, you know, quite, um, you know, quite experienced professional investors simply don't have, they, they don't necessarily know what's happening inside the company mm-hmm. and, and that, that inside information, you, you're constantly battling against, against that, you, you, you're sort of up against um, other people who are allowed to make buy and sell decisions. Because of course, directors of companies can can buy and sell. Uh, so can I up can I presume
0: that? to give an example? Um, sure. I was reading the other day that a large building firm in Australia was on its own cancelling contracts and re, remaking the amount that they have to spend for the for the contract because they just they can't afford it. Previously, a couple of weeks ago, there was a similar firm that went bust after doing similar things if you had inside knowledge as to what that company was planning to do whether they're planning to go bust or not that would make a huge difference wouldn't it
2: absolutely yeah yeah the and, and this is where chartists would say ah everything looks good fundamentally but the chart tells you there's something wrong and and that and they're kind of right because you know that for some reason the share price is going down somebody knows something
0: yep. Yeah, but but they but, could just be driving it down <laughs> but that's the other thing yeah, that,
2: that's the problem you see you, you, you might think oh there's something terminally wrong with this company the share price keeps falling and then suddenly bang it goes up and doubles or whatever why didn't I buy it yeah you think look a fundamental analysis showed that that share price was was too low I should I should have yeah. bought yeah so you you're kind of you're kind of stuck you're in a you're in an environment where there's imperfect information and that's where it becomes a dark art you, you've got to use all of your pattern recognition your your cynicism your knowledge of how various tricks and traps occur within the market and
0: and your knowledge of statistics and randomness I was super impressed by your website um, by the way where you where you describe the problem with the martingale system and uh, how not to bet on uh, you know and what the odds are on the various games at the casino Um, yeah every every game at the casino except for blackjack is, is Against you. What's the
2: website? Uh, well, yeah, I own them um, smart dot au. Okay. Um, I think, it's really good. Um, yeah, it, it has a lot of advice on how to avoid you know, a lot of the sort of gambling pitfalls. Okay. There's also a, a dedicated section on the Australian share market, which I wrote myself. Um, I, I, I didn't sort of, read that. I'll have to go um, back and. Yeah, read. well, I, I sort of I use the analogy of, of of the the ocean, where um, you know. Different in different types of investors are different types of sea creatures. Like there's the whales, the sharks, and then, and then there's the, the mum and dad investors who are like plankton. who, who, who tend to get eaten by the yeah, yeah. by the whales.
1: Um, don't dad. we feel like it? Yeah, yeah. So I use a lot of analogies based on that, on that sort of um, mm. idea. So it sounds like your attitude to chartists, because I've got a couple of mates who, who are potential would-be chartists, or they'd love to, you know, that it's very appealing the dream of being a day trader and just hanging out at home, pushing a few buttons and Watching the bank balance expand, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the shorter, short summary is that neither of them can give up their day jobs. By the sound of things, what you're saying is that there's a whole lot of other things if, you, if you're going to, you know, that's one aspect to professional investing, if you like, but, but there's also, there's looking at fundamentals, there's looking at psychology and, and yeah. a whole lot of other things as well that yeah. have to be factored the, into it.
2: Uh, I think that's true. I mean, you, you, you might turn out to be very gifted at charting and be able to get an edge, but I would say that, from my experience, the majority of chartists um, don't have an edge. Mm. They do have to develop those other. The other,
0: the other thing I would add is a lot of hedge funds are using machine learning. They're using the machine learning tools to work out their their portfolios. Um, I'm working with a student looking at ASX at the moment, and we're trying to work out if, when a when a company has a, has an attack, a cyber attack, if the stock value goes down, probably that's the worst kind of research data you can get because it's as random as all hell yeah we can get a we can get a 10 percent significance which is kind of sociological study level not not what you what i would expect but it does seem that there is some effect but it seems also that the stock market is really resilient to it or that companies mm. are, are quickly able to pounce on it and advertise them out at, at you know yeah. Get out of. And this is
1: where the, the AI could come in is that you could generate an, a fake image of, you know, the headquarters going up in smoke or something, or a, a mine <laughs> yeah. being flooded, or yeah. you yeah. know, a wall collapsing or something, and then get that into social media, yeah. and and you've you've suddenly dented the share price, and you know, and if you've got yourself if positioned to take advantage of that, then maybe it'd be a way that you could you could profit from
2: it. There are two different share markets in a way. One one is the the part of the market that reflects the real underlying economy. So it's the you know your BHPs and your you know your, your banks and your, you know all these kind of things. Where that that part of the that part of the pie, if you think of the share market as a pie, that 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 part of the pie actually grows. So everybody can win. It, it's not it's yeah. not it's not a, a zero sum yeah. game. Yeah. It, it's a yeah it's a positive sums game. So in theory everybody could buy shares in that part of the of the economy and everybody could theoretically get rich because all the companies prosper and they make more things and we all have more things and we're all rich and yay so so that's one part of the share market but a very large part of the share market relates to uh, what people call speculative stocks which might be a hole in the ground in Western Australia Which is never going to produce anything that it's just a it's just a pretense, you know, it's it's um, oh, yeah We're the such-and-such such exploration company. We are the hole-in-the-ground proprietary limited exploration company mm. um, and, and their and their real business is mining shareholders, you know, they they're there to to do capital raises for their next exploration project. So you're basically funding their lifestyle. Mm. So those speculative stocks tend to be the ones which, which have you know, massively jagged charts which mm. go up and down dramatically. Mm. In those stocks, it's definitely not a positive sums game. You know, mm. the money gets transferred from your sort of hopeful day trader debutants mm. into the hands of the, the wolves and the sharks and the you know, what have you. Mm. Uh, the hyenas. You know, yeah. Yeah, the for direct, sure. the directors of Perth Mining Companies yeah, and, yeah. and the White Shoe Brigade yeah. up in Queensland yep. with their with their new battery technology which is never gonna yep.
1: yep. yep. Yeah, Pegmant Grove, you know, yeah, yeah. mansions ex- and all exactly. the rest of Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: So so basically the two are in a way hardly even related, although that there are some sort of gray areas in between mm. you know real mm. businesses and, mm. and and so there's a sort of a speculative
1: portion of the market and then yeah. there's the, and then there's the kind of the bellwether stocks which have been around forever that, and that's right and, and that's give you give you less dramatic returns but they give you sort yes, of slow but, and steady but over
2: time they, they will tend to on the whole grow i mean the, you, you you can make mistakes you could buy amp thinking they're a big solid mm. thing and then mm. suddenly we we find they've been you know kind of ripping off for mm. People mm. With as happened i think. yeah and, and all of a sudden you yeah, know the share price mm. goes down by mm. 70% but uh, on the whole that that sort of top end of town everybody in theory can be a winner mm. whereas at the other end of the market your gain is somebody else's loss mm. and in some cases everybody loses except for one
1: christopher mm. Skase, or which one is like Alan a, Bond. it's like a pyramid thing you know when you get out if you're the you remember those things where you used to go around to people's garages and you'd buy into this this <laughs> pyramid thing and and, and right. if and if you were the as long as you got out you were the pilot or something and you and, and yeah. as long as you had sort of enough people below you funding you then you were okay it's just if you happen yeah. to be at the bottom level when when the, the pin when i was younger pulled. i had a bunch
0: of mates try to get get me to Build one for them. Oh, you're the maths guy. You can build this. Was, what's the, I'm not going to build a pyramid scheme. Oh, it's yeah. not a pyramid scheme. It's know?
2: funny they they banned pyramid schemes and then they then started calling it multi-level marketing and it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and now, it, now, of course, they've got Ponzi schemes yeah, everywhere and yeah. all all sorts of things which which are actually ponzi schemes but that you
1: can kind of dress them up with other names yeah, and and, and, so and get away with it somehow. Yeah. So so just to bring it back a little bit to AI just
0: uh, on the topic of ponzi just really quickly. Yep, yep. Um uh, Netscape had had a series called Malat is it Malat with the Ponzi guy in America?
2: Oh uh, was it Malo No Ma- no no it was Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff. Madoff. No, uh, Madoff. Madoff. Yeah. Madoff.
0: It was really good. Really yeah. good. I saw it a few few months ago. Um the guy was running a definite Ponzi scheme, and the only person who was able to track it was a risk analyst who did the maths on it. And from outside, he was able to tell that it, that they were running a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. A similar thing... Well, at least if you watch the movie, The Big Short... I actually read the book, The Big Short, before it came out. Yeah. Fantastic book. And the movie's great as well. That's still on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. Can it's you? still there, yep. Got a great scene uh, with... Uh, Who's, who's the woman playing Barbie, who plays Barbie in the, the Australian one? Oh, um, Any, oh. anyway, uh, she's in the, in the bathtub explaining, is it, is it Margaret, yeah, yeah, yeah. Margaret Mar- no, Mar- 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 Robbie? Yeah. Yeah. Margot Robbie. Yeah. She's in the bathtub explaining the market, mm. which makes it easier to, to understand. Um, <laughs> sure. but a really great movie, you yeah. know? and in that movie and in the book, I keep coming across Goldman Sachs who bet both ways. Now, a hedge fund, you're supposed to be able to hedge your bets by getting a good deal each way, which sounds like magic, right? But if things are not zero-sum and growing, like you say, then you should be able to do that and lower your chance of risk. But in this case, they're lowering their chance of risk if one goes up and and the other has to go down, which is a bit of magic. But they did that, and they've come out really strong. So if you look at every, every financial advisor just about let's put it this way it keeps cropping up when there's an event a financial advisor to a u.s government like to obama or whatever guess where they came from goldman sachs hmm. so they came out of it super well by daring to go with those cdcs yeah. really...
2: just on just quickly on the subject of um, ponzi schemes Australia really hits above its weight with with con men that, that's something that we are uh, and and con women too for our size we, we've got a very very high quality um confidence tricks yeah I
0: thought we'd be good at something yeah I mean but, you know,
2: going back right you know, to, to Bondi and Skace and so on yeah, and then yeah. you know, more recently we had that, that woman who
1: yeah whose um, foot was found off the, on the correct, beach correct that's yeah. right yeah but yeah. not the rest of
2: her I mean. no yeah. she,
1: she might have <laughs> given up a foot and disappeared off yeah and, <laughs> and who, who knows yeah. but I doubt it But yeah. um, and then we had the racing
2: guy not so long ago Bill Vlahos who, who it, it appears was running a racing
1: Ponzi scheme which um, siphoned off quite a few hundred million but Mm. Yep. And yet and then and then something that you know you're talking about the two categories you've got your sort of your BHP's and these things that actually with the mums and dads invest in and then you've got all these speculative things western Australia mines and so on front companies and whatever but then the, the the irony is that when you have enough of those dodgy side of, uh, of dodgy schemes if they if if they get big enough they can actually bring down the whole market including all the, the bhps and and similar stocks as well that's Bec- right and, yeah. and that's that's happened
2: yeah yeah you're, you're talking about bubbles yeah um, yeah where, where you know for instance when the dot-com boom happened mm. there were literally thousands and thousands of little dot-com companies and a lot of money yeah you know inflating and, their and prices so and, and so
1: now are we having an ai mini boom are we going to have a bubble it seems that that's the case. We touched on it before that, you know, the, the companies that have, have suddenly gone up, having been in the bit of the doldrums and people were saying, oh, tech's kind of off the boil now, then along comes AI. And conveniently, ChatGPT and similar things come out there which everyone can use. Everyone marvels at the language skills. Yeah. But without really seeing, you know, is it going to be as big as everyone, like the sort of the trillion dollar thing that people mm. talk about, maybe this is just another hyped thing and like the dot-com bubble, bubble of 2000, we could have a big... We might, we,
2: we might be in the early stages. At the moment, there's not a, a widespread phenomenon of, of everybody wanting to buy any company that has AI in its, in its name or whatever. Right. But as you, as you say, at the moment, it's been driven by the really big players, you know, mm. the, the Googles and, and Microsofts and mm. so on. And that, they've had a very, very healthy capitalization boost yep. on, on the back of AI. At the moment, we don't know how much... AI is going to contribute to their bottom line but, but the, the early indications are fairly promising. Mm. I think some of the big tech players have just come out with results that were fairly good. Whether it will turn into a full blown bubble is, is not clear yet. You, you know it's a bubble when companies spring up that you've never heard of before and there's hundreds of them and they've all got AI in their name and <laughs> they're capitalized at hundreds of millions of dollars and they've never never gone anywhere near close to making a profit. So that hasn't happened yet, but I, you know, it could be a good tip by you. you. You're suggesting that the viewers race out and... All <laughs> not, at all, not at all.
1: Can I go another question on AI relating to share markets? What are the potential uses? Like right now, if you were to embrace AI and get your hands on... I mean, I believe that there are analysts and stuff already using AI models to help them with certain aspects of investing or yeah. stock picking or that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I, per- personally, I I wouldn't yet be wanting to use one. I, I think I think they they're clearly making a lot of money in that day trading space, the the algorithmic trading, which is which is sort of AI. It's um, it's maybe it's a little bit less sophisticated than what we associate with AI, but it's yeah, mathematically based programs that are able to manipulate share prices up and down and take advantage of, um, of of those little spikes and troughs and so on. Okay. Um and, and, and gazump other people's orders. Yeah, you know, they, they they can see in advance that there's there's high demand coming in for a certain stock and they'll they'll get their order in quicker because of mm. because of the um, what I, I think are unfair advantages. And this is have. this business of actually being located at the ASX. Yeah, and yeah, that, that tapping kind of straight of thing. into it. Mm. Um, so so that that's one side that's already happening and it's it's clearly conferring big monetary gains to the people who own those programs. And, and in, the, in the kind of um, space they're operating in, where it's less of a, a genuinely expanding pie, I think that they are actually profiting at the expense of other day traders. So I think their, their gains are somebody else's losses. Hmm. So I suppose if if I was a complete cynic and I, and I had the means to do it, then those algorithmic trading things would probably be a good thing to be in. Hmm. But I think they're very um moral. so personally i wouldn't really want to do it myself like i I don't really even like short selling
0: what what about and i'm not saying there is one i don't my guess is it probably doesn't exist but what about if a piece of software can train itself from data to be to be better than human experience and intuition and trades fairly
2: yeah well I, i think that that'd be That'd be great for the people that owned it. Um, it. it wouldn't necessarily have to be bad for everybody else if, if it's like if, if it's looking at fundamental analysis and it goes, I'm using all of my programming experience to to think that BHP is currently, you know, twenty percent undervalued. So, you know, that, that's the stock to buy. This is just an example, I'm not giving advice. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't think it is necessarily undervalued, but, but say it could do that. There's no reason why You know, other people couldn't do exactly the same thing. It would just mean that whoever owned it might might get a better return than than they otherwise would have. But um, it's it's not necessarily at anybody else's expense. Like, when you when you buy stock, you're buying it off somebody who's selling. They're not necessarily selling because they think that the stock's no good or the price is going to go down. They might be selling because they want to buy a caravan or they they want to go off the grid and live up in North Queensland. Or just shift their portfolio. Yeah, or, or whatever. So. It's not always a case of if you buy something that goes up that that somebody else has lost. It could be that that person has transferred their money into another stock, which has also gone up. So in terms of AI being a force for sort of good or bad, at the moment I'm kind of agnostic on it as far as sort of um, long-term trading. Mm. So if if an AI program could could pick good fundamental stocks that are, are going to rise in the long term, at the moment, I don't think that's particularly good or bad. It's just, it'd be something
1: that'd be good to own. <laughs> yeah. So uh, could AI ever accurately pr- predict market movements and what would the effects be if it could? And I mean, I think that's basically what you guys have just discussed. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I have a similar thing with cybersecurity in that the latest research is looking, at to, looking into AI for cybersecurity because it can make decisions quicker. So potentially it could it could discover an attack more quickly. And um, <clears throat> there's the issue of experience. So how human judgment comes into, does this activity have a negative consequence yeah. that computers haven't been programmed yet to recognize? So I tell my students in cybersecurity, I used to say last year, you probably got a job for 50 years because they're still going to need a human in the loop to keep an eye on it.
2: Yeah.
0: But I now think it could be anywhere from three to fifty years. Mm. I don't know. I just don't yeah. know. So it's much. It's a yeah, To, possible it to it me, um,
2: a very, very sophisticated piece of AI working in the share market would be just like having a, a really, really good stockbroker. Yeah. It, it's a good thing to have. There's not that many around. Mm. And if it existed, you'd pay a lot for it. Yeah, that that's true. So I, I guess if if there is a negative side to it, it it's probably mean that the rich get richer and the yeah, and and the rest yeah. of us who who don't have those resources
1: mm. um, or they sell it they sell it you know they've got the the really expensive version then they've got the one that's detuned a bit but you know, the you, know, rated one, you know you know that know, that,
0: you... that never happens capitalism works to produce the best of all possible worlds <laughs> in every possible case you know <laughs>
2: You're promoting your communist ideology.
0: No, 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 no. no, I totally believe that. I must be a communist because I don't believe
1: it works in every case. Is that right? So have either of you guys seen that film uh, Oppenheimer? No. I haven't seen seen it yet, but I will see it soon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's It's a good one. I saw it. I just happened to be up in a country town where I could get in and see it. So I saw it on the opening night last week. But one of the things that it talks about is the responsibilities for scientists developing new technologies that may have unintended consequences. And so this is, you know, this comes back, I suppose, to what's being debated about how do you regulate it. One thing that's being suggested is that AI is being developed without proper regard for the consequences. So it's a bit like inventing the nuclear bomb and and then really not, you know, sort of saying, oh, well, we're going to get nuclear energy as a sideline. And so and, and actually there is a parallel with AI. I mean, maybe it's an overly dramatic one because you know, likening it the most powerful bomb that's ever existed and could just physically destroy the planet against something that's really much less proven. You know, we don't have mm. it has we don't have a, a singularity that's come out of AI, which where it's demonstrated omniscience and omnipotence, yeah. whereas a nuclear weapon is that. And then the hydrogen weapon that came out of the uh, development of the atomic bomb really is that. I mean, and 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 Oppenheimer, the story of Oppenheimer, the film is is talking about this, and they're even coining this this idea that there's a sort of an Oppenheimer moment where. Oppenheimer realized suddenly, oh shit, you know what I'm doing is immoral and and he was against the mm. development of the the hydrogen bomb afterwards. Well, has,
2: has Elon Musk recently had that Oppenheimer moment. I mean, he's Well, he's
1: said that. He's he's yeah. he's got a he's got a kind foot in both camps because he sort of says on the one hand it's got to be it's got to be regulated and yeah. and his quote, which I liked, is that humans are merely a biological boat loader for supreme AI. So in other words, yeah, we're man. just the we're just the sort of patsy with it, we're, the, <laughs> we're the, the sort of a stepping stone for the for the next Oh, he big says some thing. great things. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, I, I think that that kind of thinking is quite valid. I mean, with, whether or not it's right or not, I think it's it, it's the sort of thing we should to should be worth should it's worth be considered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and it may, maybe it's true. Um, hopefully, not in our lifetimes, but mm. it could easily happen because uh, all, all those kind of futurists, like Damien Broderick, who who wrote books like uh, you know The Spike or The Last Mortal Generation, and so on, point out that technology is not is not sort of advancing in an even kind of way it's exponential mm. so, so we're rushing towards a kind of a, a technological spike that mm. you know it could be that um that th- this sort of um, technological spike happens in the next 20 years even though it's taken well one of the hundreds of years
0: to one of the questions that i f- think is really big that has worried me ever since i was a kid is what is consciousness and just sitting there exercising your consciousness and looking at red things and realizing red is something in my brain. It's not out there, right? Yeah. That sort of stuff, that gets you nowhere.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: But if we can really start to look at, anyway. Well, it, no, that, an that's,
1: well I think that's a very important one because that's, that's really part of where AI can go yeah and, and do yeah. we accept that it's even possible for a machine to have consciousness and then what does it mean if a machine other than a or an entity other than a human has consciousness the first and, and, the first
0: and, ones will not have consciousness like we do
1: no it's i don't think anyone's even But the, it'll
0: talk to us like we do
1: even the real alarmists and no one is actually claiming that that um, there is a machine with consciousness at the moment although that's where it could be going and that same guy who actually likened the mastery of language to mastery of, of humanity's operating system, was also saying that he refers to the idea of an artificial intelligence having consciousness as a bit like an alien intelligence because it's the same yeah, thing. I was just it's, thinking that, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's like an alien yeah. has landed, a super-intelligent alien yeah. has landed on the planet and it, it views everything different. Like you were saying with when the the Google trained its algorithm to beat the chess computer, the, the, the big blue or whatever it was, deep blue... <coughs> it took a fresh approach it didn't need uh, to look yeah, at th- the, th- that was
2: alpha zero uh, yes yeah, that was a neural network as opposed to the old brute force yes. method of Deep yeah.
1: blue yeah but that's that's the same sort of thing that you and this is where the big unknowns come in is when you can when you can have a an AI that sort of works out its own way to come up with an answer which which turns out to mm. be correct but has nothing to do with any other previous yeah. methods of, of getting to that answer that's when you're. It's like an alien intelligence.
2: Yeah. So if if it looks like consciousness and it smells like consciousness, just because it isn't consciousness as we develop it, and, mm. um,
0: maybe know, it is. Yeah. Could, yeah. Who yeah. knows? Yeah.
2: But that, that, that raises an interesting point. I, I I think that we. But it's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But <laughs> we, I, I think we I don't think it has. We, we anthropomorphise AI a lot. So. We, we, Are look, we all anthropomorphise everything. Yeah, don't we? we do, yeah. And and so we we're looking at it very much through our own prism. So so of course we're obsessed with the idea of, of AI Wanting power and wanting to wipe yeah, us out yeah, and yeah, all this kind of thing. Exactly, but yeah, yeah. Really, so fi sci-fi,
1: sci-fi has made us biased. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Is
2: there yeah. any, is there really any fundamental motivation for AI to want to be destructive? That's a human sort of motivation. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we we sort of have these scarce resources. we have evolved to to want to eat other animals and so on to to provide us with easy.
1: So it's know, much more likely that, and, that the, the AI would be harnessed by nasty humans individuals who would would harness it to to use it against the rest of the planet and it just does it makes the job of of, of a nasty person much easier. Exactly. Think, or exactly. Yeah, it will be, be a tool, yes. An yeah. illegal
0: invasion using yeah. weapons, you know. Yeah,
1: like stealing the A-bomb or whatever, you know, stealing the technology yeah. that allows yeah. you to, yeah. Yeah. to do and, that. And I mean, already I'm there's looking, armies so. of drones, you know, that, yeah. that are being used in the, in yeah. the yeah. Russian-Ukraine oh, yeah. mm-hmm. war, which mm-hmm.
2: has changed warfare quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I think that's a much more realistic fear mm-hmm. than, than the fear of, of actual self.
1: That a super intelligence that actually to size on its own yeah and to wipe an out humanity wants to,
2: yeah, yeah. Wants to kill us well then and, the,
1: and the famous example is the paperclip problem which you guys probably have heard of which i had to look up because it kept coming i kept hearing about this paperclip issue with ai what the hell is that and i finally found out that it's it's that if you if you tasked a an ai with the the sole job of creating paperclips and, and you gave it no other input, no other consideration. You have to make paper, as many as you can forever. That basically it, it destroys the world to do that to achieve one objective. <laughs> surpass all others, and, and, and in the end, it actually uses the molecules in humans as well as everything else. And then it actually expands beyond Earth and, and uses yeah. the you know the substance of the universe. So you you basically have to be very careful about what you tell what AI you wish to for. do, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what you want it to do. Yeah, and and again, so it's it, it's sort of. I suppose it's that kind of example is is given because it's saying you have to provide parameters, which means you have to regulate it. Mm. You don't want to just, you know, allow experimentation or allow um, things to be done without due regard for unknown consequences or unforeseen Hmm. consequences. I mean, even with the development of the atomic bomb, I think it was Niels Bohr who he he kind of had this idea that, oh no, this is actually, nukes are going to be good for the world because it'll end just as they supposedly they can argue that they ended the Second World War, right, by forcing the Japanese to, into submission. Niels Bohr said, it'll mean that there won't be any world wars again because the consequences of having a world war are too dire hmm. if every, if people use nukes, then everyone loses. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore there'll have to be openness between different countries because they'll they'll have to they share this responsibility for global survival. This is as if humans but, were rational. But it hasn't, ha- exactly, it just yeah. hasn't worked out that I've, way at all, I've, unfortunately.
0: I have a love-hate relationship with Niels Bohr, Mm. the few things he he said if there were aliens we would have seen them already which is interesting he also said if people who think they understand quantum mechanics don't and then he made a theory that you could understand about quantum mechanics which he needs to leave it open to experimentation where the state vector collapses I think Roger Penrose made a a brave conjecture that it happens after 20,000 events or something into interconnected events Mm. no one knows no one knows, and this whole thing about the observer is just made up, cornball stuff.
2: Um, and yeah, <laughs> you this know, is all stuff we've touched on this. We've touched yeah, on. Yeah. But um, you're talking about the Copenhagen. No, I'm talking about Quantum. Of, quantum, of yeah, quantum yeah, the Copenhagen. Copenhagen too. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm talking about that. He got 20 of his best students together. If he had a problem, they would go and they would ask Einstein to solve it for him, <laughs> and then Einstein would solve it in the morning, and then they'd go away and pick holes in it and come back and ask him again the next day. <laughs> and this is how he came up with his wonderful theories. He, he sort of rode off the back of Einstein and his students. Quite a, quite I a bit. imagine being
2: able to just go and ask Einstein. Oh, every wouldn't time, it be
0: great? Every time there's something you won't Because <laughs> Einstein had a totally different, yeah. you know, the... the uh, God, Rosen, doesn't, God, Rosen, God doesn't play dice. God doesn't play dice, yeah. Spooky action at a distance. Mm which was Niels Bohr sort of. I think
1: Einstein and Niels Bohr had a love-hate relationship.
0: I think they did too.
1: It's kind of been a, quite a broad conversation talking about a few different things. Well, do, I know that you like
0: crypto and I like hedging mm. and you like the market. If something goes haywire, what is the best thing to hedge? Because I'll tell you a story. I have a friend, she came from Argentina and she she was okay. You remember in Argentina, they shut the bank doors? Yeah. And oh,
2: they had hyperinflation. Oh,
0: yeah. hyperinflation. Yeah. And people just totally bro- went broke overnight, bam. Yep. She mm. didn't. And they didn't know why. And they eventually realised, she was a kid then, she eventually realised her parents had bought three properties on a railway line. So that makes me think properties would be a good hedge if there's going to be hyperinflation.
2: Well, bri- bricks and mortar over yep. the decades have been a fairly good um,
0: Just Just one other point
2: edge, yeah.
0: before before you answer. The other point I wanted to make too is that we have the fourth highest private debt ratio to GDP in the world. And one way in which typically governments get rid of, of inflated away, I think you've said that before. Yeah. So there is a danger of inflation here.
2: Yeah, well, we've... we've we're already living through that yeah, <laughs> definitely so the question is what is a good way to hedge and against... could
0: could cryptocurrency be a hedge as well that yeah
2: yeah well i've, I've been a real um sort of crypto skeptic um but that's largely because there are literally thousands of cryptocurrencies I agree, which yeah, most yeah. of which you you can't act you know not actually sort of legal tender down at your your local milk bar or whatever I mean even uh, I'm I'm willing to concede that there could be a role for maybe a couple of you know Bitcoin Ethereum whatever a few of the the big ones but even them you know it's it's hard to sort of use it to buy a loaf of bread or anything so when when you're talking about the the ten thousandth Invented cryptocurrency, I just think it's a massive. Absolutely, you're right there. Totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a game of pass the parcel, which could go on for a long, long time. It could go on for hundreds of years, for all I know. But, but I wouldn't want to be involved in a game of pass the parcel where the intrinsic parcel that you're passing has in my opinion no real value, yeah, and you can't use
1: it yeah that, you, that's right. you, you had to be early it was one of those things where if you got in early if you were there 10 years ago I mean the numbers are staggering and you, and you, you didn't you, you didn't. multiplied your money by a thousand dollars in in Bitcoin when it when it originated whatever 15, 14 13 yeah. years ago would make you a, a multi-billionaire yeah a thousand Australian invested that long ago so there are people who did that and, and are like yeah. that and they and I mean, what a what an attractive and appealing thing to be able to do. but yeah. unfortunately, I think that that horse has bolted. Yeah, I, I had a horrible thing when
2: I worked out that the the five thousand dollars worth of crypto that I, I was thinking of buying when it was when it was worth um, two cents yeah. <laughs> would have, would have made me the wealthiest man in australia if if I'd bought it and then been whacked on the head and gone into a coma and not been able to sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah but of course, in in reality, when, when i if i bought the five thousand dollars worth at two cents by the time it was 20 cents i definitely would have sold yeah thinking oh this is crazy
1: yeah. but
2: but yeah if you held it r- right up until
1: it yeah you know, went up so to i just the, think it's uh, one of those hundreds of us dollars isn't it an amazing so little it would have
2: been worth literally
1: you know many billions of dollars yeah for... and i think it's been said that if 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 it collapsed on a big enough scale then the damage that it could do i think you might have even said this when we spoke last that it could actually yeah. bring down an economy you know or economies it could do a lot of damage It could cause a another gfc that kind of yeah, scale. yeah
2: I, I think that's true although some of the steam has been taken out of bitcoin and ethereum and so on already mm. like the mm. the market capitalization mm. has a lot more than halved mm. however yeah if, if there was a big enough unwinding event yeah those sort of things can create a contagion effect where mm. You know people in order to cover their cryptocurrency losses start to have to sell other assets, and yeah, and that creates a contagion. But
0: there's, I mean, there's also the point that if fiat currency loses its value, you could have a hedge in something, even if it goes down, if it goes down a lot less than the fiat currency, you've won, you've hedged properly. You yes, know what I mean? Yeah, even if it slightly goes down,
2: that's right. Yeah, um, yeah every, and pro- everything's relative, yeah. everything's relative.
0: That's right. So, my, my thinking would be, uh, property, gold and maybe bitcoin
2: yeah I'd, I'd, I'd certainly personally um
0: have we t- covered this before
2: yeah I'd, I'd have some sympathy for the idea of um bullion mm. and because um, it costs a lot to get new gold out of the ground these days and it's getting more and more expensive mm. um and it's just got that history and, and it, ha- it does have a lot of uses um but uh, well it's it's
0: more it's use as a store of value.
1: That yeah, that's 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 probably the major. psychological
0: thing, really. Yeah. But but very
1: effective. And then and, and, and good then, for um, good for buying large quantities of drugs.
0: There, <laughs> there's that drug dealer who has the gold chain around, it and it, you know it's got a big B on it. It's just gold. It's pure gold.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe to to wind it up, you both made some predictions. The last time we spoke oh, and it was mainly about is this going to be embarrassing well <laughs> no no the, the predictions were about inflation was the big one and you were spot on about that do you think that we are actually going to see i mean we've, you've made the comment we're not going to see prices falling back to where they were mm. for anything because that's one of the features of inflation that you you set a new price for things and you don't yeah. get back from there even if your ongoing rate of inflation stabilizes so, do you think we're at that stage now? In which case, when would interest rates be cut? Could it be within 18 months? Could it be within a year? What do you think? Yeah, well, this is real sort of
2: crystal ball sure, stuff where you sure. need a Palantir or something to, yeah, yeah, to or, gaze into. Yep. But, um, or an oracle
1: like AI. Yeah,
2: you've refreshed my memory. I remember saying that people should buy physical things, like, yes. you know, you know, buy their new lounge suite or whatever yep. two years ago. And yep. So that, that probably was reasonable advice at the time. Yeah, if only I'd completely followed it myself. Mm. <laughs> anyway, to yeah. answer your question, yep. I'd personally and, and I mean this is just one person's prognostications and I don't I don't really um, of course believe in um, that you know nobody can predict the future you just don't know mm. that the world is such a volatile place now there's so many apples in the air that we're juggling mm. you know that you don't know where they're gonna land or when but my, my feeling is that the worst of the inflation is probably behind us now mm-hmm. I think there's more likelihood on the balance of Deflationary events happening now than than um, you know any more kind of runs of severe inflation mm-hmm. from where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably cold comfort because we've 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 had to um, put up with pretty severe inflation. Yeah, which is and deflation. Really deflation
1: people. isn't necessarily good either, as you've said.
2: No, deflation can be a harbinger of some really severe problems that 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 could could be even worse than inflation. The thing about inflation and deflation is they affect Different classes of people differently. Mm. Obviously, people who have um, who don't have a lot of bank debt. Yeah, jumped. yeah. Well, but people who have retired and don't don't have a job, so they can't they can't get um, pay increases. That they, mm. they have to rely on their investments and so on. Are mm. Generally, going to be worse off than people who still have the capacity to to get pay increases mm. on the inflationary side. But also, um, the very very poor people who are on pensions. Pensions rarely keep, keep up yep. and with And that's um, exactly what we're seeing in Australia. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I haven't really answered the question, except, except that I would say that I don't, I don't think there's going to be severe inflation from here. I mm. think, if anything, we're more likely to see... What does deflation look like? What does, how, how does that affect people's bottom line? Well, deflation, the most obvious thing is you start to see falling asset prices. Mm-hmm. And, and that can that can be very damaging. For instance, if you saw in the GFC when deflation hit the housing market in the US, that people started to be underwater. They're, they're, yeah, their neg- negative equity. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that led to a massive unraveling yeah. as people just walked away from, mm. Um, mm. from mortgages and so on. Mm. Wh- what happens if, if people if people's assets start to devalue? They feel that they are less wealthy. They don't want to spend. But mm. like, wh- why would you spend money if you think things are going to be cheaper in a few months' time? Mm. You also feel poorer, so demand starts to diminish. That leads to company failures. You know that exacerbates the whole thing. People get laid off. Mm. Um, unemployment increases. You yeah, know it, it, it all feeds into it. You know, each each particular thing feeds into other mm. into other areas, and you can get a nasty um, deflationary cycle. But I think we're probably still a fair way from that.
1: Ian, mm. have you got any closing remarks?
2: Well,
0: I was thinking about those predictions. Of course, we should leave everything to the market because it produces the best of all possible worlds in every possible (laughs) case. I wish we were middle classifying, but I think we're not. I think we're going the other direction. And part of that is the Cantillon effect. We've still got to inflate away that debt or somehow get rid of, well, they think that we still have to get rid of that debt. And it's amazing how MMT, the magic money tree theory, said that they'd solve those problems. But you and I could see it. I'm not a rocket scientist. Well, okay. I'm a, I'm a...
2: You're pretty close to it. I'm isn't?
0: pretty close to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an
1: economic guru. <laughs> Same sort of thing happened in America. That's one of the reasons why Trump was so popular, because the middle class had been squeezed by, the, been, by, and the, by still, the GFC.
0: And they'd been squeezed by the, by the Republicans and the Democrats. You mm, know, mm. And he promised something. Mm. And he could still come back mm. on the basis of mm. that. Mm. People can see it happening. Their expectations are being lowered and the reality is being lowered, as we sit in a wonderful vineyard mm. you know we're privileged we're really privileged i just wish it more for australia
1: well you've got to have policies that encourage growth of that sector and not, yeah. and not concentration at either end
0: and you've got to think wealth for that class is not a bad thing
1: yeah they're productive for sure. elements for sure know. all right well thanks very much guy west and, and dr ian story
0: thank you